0: like wow well there's a fur. how are you out there hey, amen good to see you where did summer go that was fast let's get our Bibles out today Galatians chapter 5 so you're working your way to Galatians chapter 5 we're gonna start reading in verse 16 it has been our text for several weeks preaching a message and a series on the fruit of the spirit We're working our way through the fruits of the Spirit. In verse 22 of Galatians 5, you see the fruits of the Spirit listed. Verse 18 starts a list of the works of the flesh. Galatians 5 contains them both, two lists that are diametrically opposed to each other. The works of the flesh are easy. They come easy. When I read them, as I've read them over the weeks, you're going to see that, you know, it doesn't take any work to learn how to do the works of the flesh. But to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. And so we want the Holy Spirit to work in us, work out the works of the flesh, and work in the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, For they are in opposition to one another, in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you just as I have. Forewarned you that those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22 But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. So this list that we're working our way through in verse 22 starts with love. And we spent two sessions talking about love. And I always want to remind you when we go and study one fruit of the Spirit that love is the primary one, amen? We've got to have love. You think, oh, we got past love. Let me work on these other things. Without love, there there can be no fruit of the Spirit. Amen. We we need love in our lives to have the joy of the Lord. We need love in our lives to have the peace of God. This week, we're going to talk about a topic that's probably pertinent to all of us, and it's patience. The fruit of the Spirit. It's funny. The first service, they were shocked, too. I just read it to you. You You know what's coming next. Come on. Patience is up. So they thought if, if I knew that, I would have stayed home. Too late. We got you. You're here. And so we're going to talk about patience today, but it's got to start with love. And every these compound and build upon each other. Love is the foundation. And then because we have the love of God in us, we can have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And then because we have the love of God in us and we're filled with joy, we can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Amen. And now let's talk about patience today. I'm afraid that we don't esteem the virtue of patience enough in our world these days. Notice I said the virtue because patience is a virtue. And if you have patience and you are patient with others, people will see that as a good quality about your character. It is a virtuous thing to be a patient person. If you've ever been around impatient people, you know they are stressful, Maybe your boss is impatient. Maybe the family you grew up, everybody was impatient. Maybe your spouse, don't raise your hand, maybe your spouse is impatient and they're always creating anxiety. Patience is a virtue, yet we don't esteem patience very much these days. In fact, if we don't have it, people think, well, no big deal. Now let me contrast this so to make the point. A Christian who is unloving is seen by everyone as a hypocrite. If, you're, if you say, you know, if you're mean and judgmental and nasty, and then you say, I'm a Christian, people are like, what? You know, to be unloving as a Christian, I mean, that's seen as hypocrisy. To be a Christian and have no joy or no peace, well, that's a contradiction. You know, you say you're a Christian, you say you trust in God, you say you believe in the afterlife, but you have no joy, you have no peace. And that confuses people. When Christians have no joy and no peace, people see it as a contradiction. When they have no love, they see it as hypocrisy. But a Christian that has no patience seems to be no big deal at all. Seems to be like, well, that's par for the course. Pastor, none of us in this entire world have any patience. And you know what, I think it's technology and our society and our culture that has worn our patience down. We're not used to waiting for anything. Do you, does anybody remember dial up internet? I, you, if you hook somebody up to dial up internet now, they would have an aneurysm before lunchtime. <laughs> that you could not survive. People used to have to cook their food. Now we're pacing in front of the microwave. We're like, why would you want to eat something that was made in 30 seconds? Spit that out. But we don't have patience and we don't see it as a big deal at all. In fact, we joke about how impatient we are and how demanding we are, and we make no apologies for it. But I want to say something. A Christian who is, you know, impetuous and demanding and, you know, has to have everything right now and is impatient, it's, it's not cute, it's not funny, it's not par for the course. It's actually sin. I love this part where everybody gets quiet. I thought it was funny. I thought it was cute. I thought it was, you know, it was all of us. It was, listen, it's sin. Why? Because our impatience is saying we don't trust God's timing. Our impatience is saying we don't trust God to order our lives to be in control. You know, we think we, our agenda, our timetable is superior to his, and we want things that we don't have now, and we're impatient, and we make no apologies for it. it, 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 it impatience is sin. And it's the lack of patience that leads us into innumerable woes in this life. You see, well, I don't have any patience. Well, it is a big deal because not only is it can become sin, it's going to cost you something. You're looking at me like you don't believe me. Here, I'll give you some examples. The person who didn't have any patience to finish school is now stuck working in a job that they hate. The person who didn't have the patience to read the contract before they signed it on the dotted line is now financially ruined. The person who didn't have the patience to succeed within the bounds of the law now sits in a six-by-six prison cell. The person who didn't have the patience to wait for God's choice of a marital partner for them is now stuck in an unhappy marriage. Patience will create a lot of, impatience will create a lot of drama in our lives, where patience will save us from all of those things. Those few examples there, they hit home for all of us, because that's, that, that's reality in our world. So we need to see pay, impatience for what it is. It's, it's sin. And we need to grab a hold of some patience. Why? Because we need to cut down the drama that we create for ourselves in our lives. Is anybody on board with that this morning? Amen. Amen. At least 25% of you. The rest of you are enjoying your drama. God bless you. (laughs) The truth is that all of us here today, without exclusion, all of us could use some growth in the area of patience. There's no one out there going, man, I got that patience thing down. I'm moving on to the next thing. You know, uh, this is for you guys this morning. I'm, I'm out. No, all of us can grow in patience, amen. And the thing is, even when we think we're patient, God will put us in a scenario that tests our patience and we realize we need more. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been, I can handle this, I can handle that, and all of a sudden something turns the world upside down and, and, and your patience is gone? Yeah. Or you can deal with most people except this one person. Come on, you know that one person? Married people look straight ahead right now. <laughs> Just look straight ahead. That one person that pushes your buttons, that drives you nuts, that one person you work with, that one person at your Thanksgiving table. Come on, there's one in every family. But all of us need some growth in the area of patience. I'm going to cover four biblical facts about patience today to help us understand it and help us to appreciate it and to help us to allow the Holy Spirit to work it into our lives. The first one is this. The first thing we need to know about patience is patience is a divine attribute. Write that down if you're taking notes today. Patience is is a divine attribute. You say, Pastor, what's the significance of that? Patience is not a man-made thing, not a man-learned thing, not a man-taught thing. It's a God thing. And you say, well, how can you say that? Because patience is a divine attribute. You say, well, what does that mean? A divine attribute is something that's always true about God. We don't say, well, God was patient. We say God is patience. And to learn to be patient, we have to follow Jesus to the cross. We have to learn from our heavenly Father. In fact, through the Holy Spirit, God is teaching us patience. I wouldn't recommend praying for patience because no, no. you're going to get some things come out of the woodwork that you want to put back in the woodwork. But God is the source of patience because he is patient. It's not that you know God once in a while is patient with us. It's that, that's exactly who he is. God is patient. He is patience. Listen to how God describes himself in Exodus 34, 5 through 6. It says this, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord, God revealing himself to his servant. Look what he says. And the Lord passed by him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. God describes himself, the third characteristic he describes is long-suffering. Do you know what long-suffering is? It's patience in the Old Testament. (laughs) We don't say long-suffering anymore. We've looked at people who've made us suffer and thought it's been a long time, but (laughs) we don't say that. But long-suffering means being patient. And God describes himself as being long-suffering. He's put up with a lot of things when it comes to mankind for a long time, and he still extends grace to us. Why? Because he's long-suffering. He's patient. He's giving us time to repent and get right because he doesn't want to judge us. The divine attribute of patience is who God is. He describes himself as a God who embraces long-suffering. Now, when we exercise patience, we are actually imitating our Heavenly Father because patience doesn't come naturally to all of us. Some people think, well, no, I, I know some people, they're just naturally patient. No, they've learned patience. God has worked that into their character. Do you ever meet any patient babies when they're born? You know, that they sit there with their hands folded? I would be crying because I'm hungry but I know I should wait for my bottle. (laughs) Two o'clock in the morning, they don't care. Patience is not something we inherit. It's not something we're born with by birthright. It's something we're taught by the Holy Spirit, and it comes from God. God describes himself as long suffering because he is patient. Now, when we are patient, we imitate our Heavenly Father. And the reason I can say that is because none of us are inherently patient. You say, why is that? Because all of us are wrapped in flesh. Grab a hold of yourself this morning. Can you pinch an inch? Can you pinch a mile? This flesh is impatient. Well, I've tamed mine, or mine's under control. I'm really zen with it. You know, I'm down with the zen. No, all of our flesh is impatient. It wants what it wants. It wants more and more and more. And you say, why can you say that? Because what drives the flesh is lust. And lust says, I want it, I want it now, and I want more of it, and when I got everything that I can have, it ain't enough, and I want something else, are you getting this today? And that's the nature of our flesh. Now, notice in the text when I'm reading that, what? We are in Christ have crucified the flesh, so that's a big, that's a big thing here in us developing patience is addressing the issue of our flesh, because our, our flesh is not patient, In fact, if I preach for a long time, way past lunch, your flesh is going to let you know that you're hungry. In fact, how many have ever heard your belly just like testifying? (laughs) There's times where myself, you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, what's that? That's the impatience of my flesh. And it's yelling like it yells all day long, feed me, pamper me, make me happy. And that's what the flesh does. It screams all the day, I want this, I need that, I'm going to take this, I want more. So we have to contend with this flesh nature and we have to learn to crucify it daily. Why? So we can have what's not you know, natural for us. We can have the patience that comes from God because it's who he is. I want to say a sobering thing. I made this statement that God is patience and that's one of his divine attributes and we can support it with many scriptures. But I want to say something about the patience of God as we're talking about divine attributes. Divine attributes all work together simultaneously to define the character of God. Some people want to focus on one attribute. God is love, God is love, God is love. Anything I do, God still loves me, but God is also just, And here's something you should know about the divine attribute of patience. There comes a time where man, in his defiance of God, can wear out the patience of God. Most people are like, well, can we move on? This is just. We don't like to think about that, do we? We like to think we get chance after chance after chance after chance after chance, and we don't ever have to change. But all throughout Scripture, we found times in God dealing with his people that he had tested their patience and had finally worn it out. How many know the history of Israel? When you see Israel, man, they they tested God constantly, and they wore him out. And many times he just said, all right, do whatever you want, and let's see how that goes for you. Now, that was the new Italian version, but that's not in the Bible. (laughs) See... God's patience can be exhausted. I'll give you some scriptures here. First Peter 3.20. Who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. What is it saying here? That God was being patient with the people as the ark was being built. And Noah worked on the ark, and he worked on it for, you know, years and years and decades and decades. He worked on it, and the people laughed at him, and they mocked at him, and they said, what are you doing? You're crazy. And he told them the rain is coming. You need to repent, and they laughed at him. And God was patient and patient and patient, and then one day, the rain started. What does the rain signify? The end of God's patience. Only eight people from that generation were saved Because they tested God, and they were stubborn with God, and God's patience ran out. I pray that we never exhaust the patience of God in our lives. If there's something God's putting his finger on, if there's some sin he's telling you to repent of, if there's some behavior or relationship he's telling you to modify, stop prolonging the issue and fix it. Because God's patience can be exhausted. Acts 7, 41 through 42. At that time, they made a calf and brought a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to serve heavenly lights. Another example, what? With Israel, you want to worship idols? God says, fine. He says, I'll give you over to it. Listen to Romans 1, for they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Sounds like a lot in our generation, doesn't it? For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. And then Paul describes in Romans how, because of their idolatry, they plunged into sexual immorality and they were estranged from God. You can wear God out to the point where He gives you over to the thing you refuse to let go of, and then it runs its course in your life. Now, thank God for the mercy of God that balances out with the justice of God and the patience of God, because when sin is done running its course in our stubborn little lives, God always has open arms to take us back. Amen? That's good news today. But know something about the patience of God. It's not inexhaustible. Man can wear out God in his defiance. Number two, the second thing I want to teach you about patience today is this. Not only it is a divine attribute and the source is in God, but God has been very patient with each one of us. In fact, today, if, you were, if you're just going to be honest in church, how many would say God's been very patient with me to get me where I am today? I'm going to raise two hands, amen? In first service, I was just looking for the people who weren't raising their hands. I'm like, is Moses here? Who's here? Abraham's here. God has been very patient with each of us. You know, sometimes we just need to stop and think about what God has brought us through. Like, I know a lot of you out there. Some of you I don't know very well. But the ones I know, man, it's a miracle that you're here. How many people think, you know, like, any time in your youth when you were young, wild, out of control, I mean, God could have just judged you or your life could have been over. Come on, any other crazy people, right? Pastor Mike could give testimonies for like three weeks on that, right? (laughs) He's got great stories. You should talk to him. But God has been very patient with each of us. Paul reveled in the patience that God had with him. Paul's an amazing example of the patience of God. Here's Paul, he's a Pharisee, he's a religious guy, and what does he do? He persecutes the church, he's jailing Christians, Uh, Stephen's martyred, he's cheering it on. Paul was just this rotten guy who was persecuting the church and literally murdering Christians, and what does God do? He patiently waits for him, and he knocks him down and then lifts him up and makes him the greatest apostle that ever walked the face of the earth. And Paul knew that he was only there because of the patience of God. If God would have just snuffed him out and left a little grease spot on the sand, that would have been just. And it would be just if God did the same thing to all of us. But God was patient with each of us. He tolerated our refusal of his grace. He tolerated our sin, our immorality. He tolerated all that in patiently waiting for the Holy Spirit to break through our walls and our excuses and to draw us into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We should be very thankful for the patience of God. Paul reveled in it. Listen to what he says here in 1 Timothy 1.16. Yet for this reason, I found mercy, Paul saying, I, Paul, I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost sinner, that's how Paul saw himself, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul's saying, my life was such a mess, it needed so much grace, but God was patient with me. And look how he describes the patience of God. God's perfect patience. Did you get that? See, many times we don't see God's patience as perfect. And here's what I mean by that. Because when we're made to wait, we sometimes get angry. And when God makes us wait, sometimes we get mad at God. And we don't see God's Pay, you know, making us wait and being patient as perfect, we see it as unjust. Come on, God, I need it now. I need you to answer my prayer now. I needed it yesterday. Why am I still going through this? Why didn't you help me? Why didn't you deliver me? Why didn't you heal me? And God is teaching us something in making us wait, and we don't see it as just. Come on, I'm real this morning. You say, how do you know this? Because I, I do it too. We all do it. It's human nature, but the thing is we need to see God's patience in our lives and making us wait as something that's perfect because his timing is perfect, and he knows what he's trying to accomplish in each of us. He's been really patient with each of us and we need to see it as Paul saw it. It's this perfect patience and you know what? Uh, We might want things now. We want to demand this and demand that but we've got to understand God knows exactly what he's doing and we need to trust him (coughs) because he's been very patient with each of us. I want to close down this point with one final thought. How outlandish and unjust is it for us to be impatient with others when God has been patient to us? Man, some of us are sitting here running out of pure grace. God could have literally judged us 10 times over, but he's been gracious to us. And and then we look at somebody else and we want God to judge them or we want to be impatient with them or we don't want to give any grace to them. That is completely outlandish. It's unjust. Why? Because God has given us grace. He's given us patience. He's not punished us for every sin, but he's forgiven them. And yet we want God to immediately punish those people who annoy us or we think don't deserve it. According to traditional Hebrew folklore, there's a story about Abraham, and I want to read it to you today because it illustrates the outlandishness of us being impatient with others. Abraham was sitting outside of his tent one evening, and he saw an old man weary from age and travel. The man was coming toward him, so Abraham ran out and rushed to greet him. He invited him into his tent. He bowed down and washed the old man's feet, and he set food and drink before him. The old man immediately began to eat without saying a prayer or giving any thanks or any blessing at all. So Abraham said to him, "'Do you not worship God?' And the old traveler looked Abraham in the eye and said, I worship fire only and reverence no other God. When Abraham heard this, he became incensed. He grabbed the old man by the shoulders and threw him out of his tent into the cold night air. When the old man had collected his things and departed, God came to his friend Abraham and said, Where is the traveler that I sent you? Abraham replied, I threw him out of my tent because he does not worship you. God answered, Abraham, I have suffered him these 80 years, although he dishonors me. Could you not endure him for one night? Wow. God has endured so much. He suffered so much. He's long-suffering. He's patient. How can we justify being impatient with others? The next thing I want to tell you about patience It's not only a divine attribute. It's not only something that each of us have experienced because God's been patient in our lives. But patience is an essential component of effective ministry. Now, I could rebrand this point and say, patience is an essential component of life, but I want to gear it towards ministry here because Paul gives an example out of Second Timothy that we're going to look at. But understand something. Ministry that's effective to others requires a special kind of patience. How many know to, to fulfill the Great Commission, all of us are called to preach the gospel and to make disciples? Where are the people that you brought to church this week? Let me, let me see them. They're... they're invisible friends. So all of us got a job to do. Amen. And we've got to, we've got to preach the gospel. So we've got ministry to do. And let me tell you something. Ministry requires patience. Have you ever tried to deal with people on a spiritual level, preach them the gospel? Maybe they've been difficult. Maybe they've been argumentative. Maybe they challenge you and mock you, make fun of you. Hello. And then what do you do? That's it. I'm done with that guy. I'm Never telling him again. Ministry requires patience. 2 Timothy 4.2, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Listen to what Paul says. Correct, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. See, it's the great patience that allows us to minister. And the reason we need patience to minister to others and even to our brothers and sisters in Christ is nothing turns off people to the gospel faster than pushy, condescending, impatient Christians. Well, Why aren't you getting it? Or why don't you understand? Or why you continue to do this? Or don't you get it? It's so simple. The gospel, and and we get impatient with people. That turns people off to the gospel, or we're impatient, so we get nasty and we get judgmental and we point out everybody's sin. And just remember when you point out someone's sin, there are three fingers pointing back at you. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that we can't call out sin in our generation because we need to hold up the standard. I'm saying we need to do it with humility and patience because we're all sinners saved by grace. And so we need patience to deal with people. If you have no patience and you're in a place of leadership, you are most likely going to hurt a lot of people. I want you to think about that. You have children to minister to, to bring up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, but you have no patience, you're going to hurt people. You have coworkers that need Jesus, and you get irritated when they don't respect the gospel, or maybe they take the Lord's name in vain and you're nasty with them and you're impatient, that's gonna affect them. You and I need patience as leaders, as Christians, as people who bring the salt and light into our community. And you know what? A lot of leaders will say, well, you know, I I don't have this patience thing down and I've snipped a couple heads off and I've been rough and I've been, you know, and all this stuff. And I wanna say something. Just because you're called, doesn't give you the right to hurt others. My counsel to you if you're in a position of leadership and you don't have any patience is to get away from people for a while. Get alone with God and get a hold of some patience or get out of that leadership position because you and I don't have the right to hurt others. So patience is essential. It's an essential component for leadership, for life, It's something God has shown to all of us. It's a divine attribute. And I close with this this morning. Patience has a perfecting nature to it. Sometimes we have to understand why God is asking us to be patient. Sometimes we have to understand why God makes us wait. Let let me just ask you a question. Is there anybody who likes to wait? Not one single hand. None of us do. It's that flesh nature. We don't like it. We, we don't want it now, we want it yesterday. And so we need to understand the nature of patience and nature the nature of patience is this, it has a perfecting nature to it. Check out James 1, 3 through 4. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Look at that. The trying of your faith. So the trial, the test, the the tribulation, the difficult person. What if the trying of your faith works patience? And then James is saying what? Let patience have her perfect work. I find it interesting that patience has the female gender. I'm not I'm not quite sure what that means. But I'll let you figure that one out yourself. Patience has a nature to it, and it's the, the nature is to perfect us. The longer we wait, the longer we trust, the longer we wait on God, the more he's able to work some deep things in us to perfect our faith. It's the trying of our faith, and, and James is saying, let that patience have its perfect work. Don't quit ahead of time and short-circuit the work of God in your life. You know, if we refuse to wait, and we want everything we, we think we need right now, and we're unwilling to pump the spiritual brakes at time. Listen, if that's the way we are, we're going to stay immature and ineffective. It's immaturity that says, I want it now. I want it now. I don't want to wait. And that will leave us ineffective today. I want to say a few things. If you're waiting on God to do something only he can do and no one else can help you and God's made you wait today, good. If you're waiting for something to the point where it's been years and decades, and you've approached the level of long-suffering, and you're still waiting, good. If you've considered quitting or going to plan B more than one time, good. In your waiting, continue to wait, because God is working something in you, Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Keep crying out to God. Keep waiting. Don't quit. Don't walk away. Don't go with plan B. Amen. Wait on the Lord today. Amen. You say, Pastor... Don't you know it's painful? I know it's painful. I've been waiting for things for decades that I'm still praying for. I've been waiting for serious situations to be resolved where only God can do them. I know the pain of waiting. I know the pain of being asked to be patient. But I can guarantee you this: none of us will regret. None of us will regret waiting on the Lord. Because in the end, he'll have accomplished something in us. He'll have met those needs and answered those situations. And the good thing that will happen in us is patience will have its perfect work in us and we're gonna look a lot more like Jesus than we do right now. So patience has a perfecting nature to it. What you're going through is not an accident and not an anomaly and it's not for nothing. It's God working something in you that only patience can provide. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I know that this topic of patience is a sticky one, Lord. We, we hate to wait for things, and sometimes we, we think, how can I last? How can I make it through? How, how is this going to work, Lord? I pray that all our anxieties and fears that we have, while we're asked to be patient, that you would work them out of us and replace that with trust. Love is the foundation of the fruits of the Spirit, Lord. Help us to love you and to love your working in our lives, Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Help us to be like Jesus, Lord. And while we're patiently waiting for you to heal us, deliver us, to save our loved ones, to deliver those that we love, Father, help us to trust you and have peace. Teach us patience and let patience have its perfect work in us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Give him praise today.